This is the Capital Literature Podcast, bringing you investment letters in audio. The Capital Literature Podcast is a SEBITS capital service for the investment community. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. All rights belong to the respective owners. Levin Partners, First Quarter, 2022 Dear Partners In the first quarter, fund assets declined by approximately minus 5%, in tandem with the domestic and international markets. As of December 31st, for every $100 invested at inception, it is worth $122.60. For the quarter, our core holdings had a negative contribution to fund performance of minus 5.1%, and, on average, were down minus 5.7%. The negative performance is explained mostly by the negative impact that occurred from our currency exposure. At the end of the quarter, our international holdings were marked to the US dollar resulting in a loss in currency terms. The Japanese yen continued to weaken against the US dollar, as it had last year, and was down sharply by approximately minus 6% in short order, accelerating in March, beginning the year at around 115 yen to the dollar and closing around 121 yen to end the quarter. To put this into context, hypothetically speaking, if our holdings consisted entirely of Japanese holdings and our holdings were fully hedged to the US dollar, our returns for the quarter would have been about nil. The Japanese yen declined in value relative to the US dollar by approximately minus 10% in 2020. Combined, the windchill effect has certainly been negatively felt over the past 15 months and it has not been pleasant. A perspective from 30,000 feet. I've written quite a bit concerning, what I perceive to be, an overpriced stock market using price relative to various valuation metrics. I'm partial to the cyclically adjusted P-E ratio, but I've discussed other relevant valuation metrics, like price relative to GDP, espoused by Warren Buffett. In the end, it doesn't matter what valuation metric one uses, whether by earnings or revenue. All of them point to the fact that stock prices are historically high levels relative to any valuation criteria one is partial to. History suggests that these levels are untenable for an extended period of time. But for a moment, let's ignore valuation concerns and simply think about allocation levels. Stocks, or equities, have a relatively finite supply. The supply can be increased in only two ways, one, new share issuance, and two, a rise in price. Corporations have historically been reluctant to increase supply through new share issuance. Also, due to the hot-button issue of corporate buybacks, which decreases the supply of equities, supply growth via new share issuance has been quite muted for decades. So, practically, the bulk of supply growth rests on a rise in share price. Every stock or equity in existence or outstanding must be held by someone at any point in time. A share of stock cannot sit on the sidelines without an owner. Financial markets provide a price equilibrium mechanism that sets a price where a holder of stock is happy to own it. Now, this is an aggregate. Of course, there are stories of someone finding an old stock certificate of Ford Motor Company in their attic having completely forgotten they bought it 20 years ago. But, in total, or in aggregate, the share price is set at the minimum level where all the shares outstanding are held by a willing party. When there is too much supply, the price must come down in order to find a willing owner or buyer. Conversely, when there is too little supply, the price must go up in order to facilitate the demand. In the case of stocks, 
When there is too little supply, the supply is increased by an increase in share price. For example, if a stock trades at $100 you could increase the supply by increasing the share price to $1,000. There is still the same number of shares outstanding but the supply has increased tenfold. What once could only hold $100 in assets can now hold $1,000 in assets. This in turn allows for a greater allocation to equities than what was once unobtainable. What happens when you want to allocate less to equities? Remember every share has to be owned by someone at all times. The only way for everyone to allocate less is for the price to go down. It may come as no surprise then that the share of household financial assets invested in stocks is at the highest extreme in history. In other words, we are at maximum demand, historically speaking, for equities. Because there is a finite supply of shares, prices must go up to accommodate the added demand. If you look at the chart below, you will see that the red line represents the percentage of investor allocation to stocks going back to 1946, expressed by the following equation. Equals M A R K E T V A L U E O F A L L S T O C K S. M A R K E T V A L U E O F A L L S T O C K S plus T O T A L L I A V I L I T I E S O F A L L R E A L E C O N O M I C B O R O W E R S. The red line encapsulates the dictum when investor allocation to stocks is high, the market value of stocks is high, when investor allocation to stocks is low, the market value of stocks is low. All of this leads to the important question, how does this correlate with investment returns? Surprisingly, it has a very high correlation with investment returns, but with an ironic twist. The blue line represents the forward 10-year annualized return of the S&P 500 that would have been earned had you invested at time, t. You will note the blue line stops shortly after 2012 as that. 10-year period is now finally be completed and has not yet been updated, along with all of the data points subsequent to 2012, as those 10-year periods have yet to be realized. The irony is that when investor allocation to stocks is high, the returns realized are low. When demand is high, returns are low. If you look at the period around 2000, you will note two things. The red line shows over a 50% allocation to stocks, and, two, the blue line shows that annualized returns for the next 10 years were negative. What does this say about where we are today? It's like the scene in the horror movie when the nameless character runs back into the house to hide. This can't end well, can it? One would be better served, knowing nothing else, by simply doing the opposite of the prevailing wisdom, increase allocation to stocks when demand is low and decrease allocation to stocks when demand is high. Easier said than done. Staying the course. At times like these, it is very painful to go against the prevailing sentiment. In the long run, acting contrary to prevailing sentiment is the path to outperformance. I have the great luxury of being able to align myself with those who evaluate performance in terms of years, not in terms of quarters. This asset, though not measurable, is priceless, as it provides a systemic edge and forms one of the foundational pillars for achieving outstanding absolute returns over long periods of time at Levin Partners, LP. As I have stated before, the strategy implemented in this fund takes two to three years, on average, to work out. On occasion, when times are heady like they are today, it can take a bit longer. We are buying very cheap stocks, they are cheap because the market believes the company to have, a, very unfavorable prospects, b, a likelihood of bankruptcy, and or, c, 
a likelihood of poor stock price appreciation. For these reasons, oftentimes, a stock becomes too cheap, and the result, on average, is that the stock appreciates due to the following. The creation of an earning power commensurate with the company's assets. This may result from general improvement in the industry and or favorable change in the company's operating policies, with or without a change in management. These changes include more efficient methods, new products, abandonment of unprofitable lines, etc. A sale or merger, because some other concern is able to utilize the resources to better advantage and hence can pay at least liquidating value for the assets. Complete or partial liquidation. The fundamental problem is that good companies do not invariably equate to good investments. The price you pay really does matter. In closing, thank you to those who were able to participate in our annual meeting held a few weeks ago. I hope you found it to be time well spent, as it certainly was for me. I am grateful for your participation in Levin Partners, LP, and that you have entrusted me to manage your assets. I look forward to reporting to you at our next quarter end. In the meantime, if there is anything I can do for you, please do not hesitate to contact me. Sincerely, Brent Jackson, CFA